0: It's good to have kids in Sunday school.
1: It hasn't been that long ago here at High Point Church. We didn't have that. Now all y'all need to get to work.
0: (laughs) Because it empties out when the kids leave for Sunday school. I want to talk about something this morning. That
1: goes along with a lot of what we've done it's this is not specifically aimed at Pentecost Sunday, but it is follows along the line of of what we've been doing a lot of talking about here recently at High Point Church. I remember years ago when you would go over to someone 's house and when you'd walk into the house, if you look on the in in the kitchen on the refrigerator they would have pictures of of different things hanging on the refrigerator. And I'm not talking about pictures that the kids drew, but instead it would be a picture of a new car, a new boat, a new house, and so on. And right away, you knew what that meant. It meant they were going to try to sell you Amway. Now, let me tell you, there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with selling Amway, and that's not where I'm going with this. Instead, I bring it up because... It's actually a very solid biblical principle, and I want a a very solid principle, and I want to use it to reinforce a biblical principle. And here's what I mean. The reason Amway people would put those pictures up on the refrigerator was because they were told if you really wanted something badly enough, put a picture of it somewhere where you had to see it all the time. Put it on the refrigerator, put it on the bathroom mirror, someplace where you would see it all the time. And because that's the goal you're working toward, that picture would remind you to not quit. So it was a motivational picture. And it's not a bad idea because at times, even when there's something that we say we want badly, we can get tired, we can get distracted, and we can lose sight of what we say we want. Now, of course, today I'm not talking about how to get a car, a boat or a bigger house. Instead, I want to talk about getting to the place we need to be in our walk with Christ. Seeing High Point Church reach its full potential in spreading the gospel and sharing Christ with those who are lost. In short, I'm talking about seeing more souls saved for the kingdom of God, seeing folks grow spiritually, and seeing High Point Church continue to grow. And while the successful Amway people put up their want list and their want pictures, want list pictures, they also knew that it was going to take more than just putting a picture on the refrigerator to get what they said they wanted. It was going to take a lot of doing, which is why you were at their house, because they were fixing to give you a presentation for Amway, because they were doers. Luke chapter 5 Verses 17 through 19. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village in Galilee of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. This is talking about Jesus, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, what we read in this passage at this point is an example of what happened quite often as Jesus went from town to town. Word would get out that Jesus was in the area. People would come from all the surrounding villages to hear him teach and for healing. In this passage in Luke, we read that one of the people that showed up was a with with some friends was a paralytic, a man who was paralyzed. Now, I want to back up just a little while. And we don't know the exact time, but we know in order for all of these things to happen, this man, stay with me here, this man had to have a certain amount of faith. He had to have a certain amount of faith. He had enough faith to believe that if he could get to
0: where Jesus was, And then once he got there, he
1: could somehow get to Jesus. He had enough faith to believe that he'd be healed. He also knew that since he was paralyzed and couldn't do it on his own, he had to get some others involved in order for it to happen, which was a good idea because we will see that the combination of faith and effort, that's what enabled him to do what he said he wanted to do. It's what his friends were able to do, and that was to get healing for their friend. I believe it's entirely possible that somewhere along the way, because of the obstacles they faced, someone in the group might have gotten discouraged. But since they had a combined purpose, they had a combined goal, the others who would see that discouraged person would say, come on, Bob, we've got to get Bill over here to see Jesus because we want to see him healed. So we see that they all had to have a certain amount of faith before they ever began their journey. They had to have a certain amount of faith before they ever even set out to go where Jesus was. They wanted their friend to be healed. And their faith got them headed in the right direction. That was the start. But now... Once they get there, they see this crowd that is completely surrounding the house. The house is full, and there's no way to get to Jesus. And they realize there is no way for them to get their paralyzed friend through all of those people to see Jesus. And even though their faith might have wavered a little bit, they still didn't give up. They certainly had plenty of legitimate excuses at this point to quit. It's too crowded. It's too hot to stand in this crowd. We'll just come back another time. Maybe Jesus will come back next year. It's not worth the effort, and on and on and on, but that's not what happened. In fact, it seems that when they saw the obstacles, they became even more determined because at this point they realized if they really wanted what they said they wanted, and that was for their friend to be healed, then maybe they'd have to put a little bit more effort than just showing up at the house where Jesus was. There's a whole other sermon there. They had to do a little bit more than just show up at the house where Jesus was. At this point, they had to decide whether they were just wanting their friend to be healed, whether they were just believing that he could be healed, or stepping out in that faith and actually doing something to make it happen. And if you're taking notes, that's actually the title of this sermon, Wanting, Believing, or Doing. And since they were well beyond the wanting and believing stages, they came up with a plan. It seems that the obstacles they were now facing caused them to be even more committed to accomplish what they said they wanted, so they put their faith into action. They carried their friend to the roof. They pulled the tiles off of the roof and lowered him down through the roof. And chapter, uh, verse 19 says, right in front of Jesus. That's pretty good planning. Luke writes that when Jesus saw the faith of the paralyzed man and the faith of his friends,
0: he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. You ever thought about what went through the paralyzed man about right then? Wait, what?
1: What do you mean my sins are forgiven? I came here. We went through all of this stuff because I'm paralyzed. And yet, when I finally get here, you say, your sins are forgiven. But this was all part of Jesus' plan because he knew that when he said that, it would open the door for a teaching moment And for another miracle. That whole your sins are forgiven part didn't go over very well with the Pharisees. It didn't go over very well with the teachers of the law who were watching. And they started thinking, who is this guy who says he can forgive sins? No one can forgive sins except God himself. This is blasphemy. Verse 22 tells us that Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked them, why are you thinking those things in your heart? The fact that Jesus knew what they were thinking should have been enough to make them believe or at least get them a little bit scared. But Jesus continued and he asked him a question. He said, I see you guys are outraged by what I just said. So let me ask you this. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or say to a paralyzed man, get up and walk? And while they're thinking about it, before they could answer, he speaks to the paralyzed man and says, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home, and immediately he stood up in front of them, and everybody
0: was amazed and filled with awe. This story is full of examples of faith. And when we read things like this,
1: it should encourage us and help us to know that Jesus is able to meet all of our needs if we truly believe. It's also full of something else, an example of people who had so much faith that Jesus could do something that they were willing to personally invest in seeing it accomplished. I want to look a little bit more closely at this story. Keep in mind, this is a paralyzed man. And Jesus tells this man, get up, take up your mat, and go home. At this point, the man could have looked at Jesus and said,
0: I really want to be healed. And I know you just told me to get up, but I'm paralyzed.
1: I can't do that. He could have said to himself, you know, self, after all I went through to get here, I thought it would be a little bit more dramatic than that. I was thinking that maybe Jesus would put like a sheet over top of me and say some stuff and then pull the sheet off and I'd be able to walk. That's not what happened. Now all of those things were options, but since he really just wanted to be healed, he stood up, he picked up his mat and he went home because that's what he wanted And because that's what he wanted, he went beyond talking about it and thinking about it and believing it. He actually did some doing, and he got up, and he picked up his mat, and he went home healed. How about this? Someone might say, oh, I really want to grow in my spiritual walk. I really want to feel closer to the Lord. And that's so far so good.
0: But too many times it's followed by, so Lord just dump it on me. It's so easy to say we want things to be different. Maybe even talk
1: about things being different. Maybe even believe that God can make things different. But here's what it really comes down to. What are we willing to do to see it actually happen? Do we pray? I want to grow in my walk with you, Lord. Do we pray? Do we read our Bible and study our Bible? Do we come to church? Do we listen to and watch things that point us in the direction that we say we want to go? Or do we keep doing the same things we've always done and wanting or expecting a different outcome? Because if we do, we would be exactly like that paralyzed man saying, Jesus, I can't stand up and walk because I'm crippled. I'm paralyzed. You can see that. And if he would have kept doing what he was doing, he would have gotten the same thing he had always gotten. Or, or think about this. I really want to see High Point Church grow. I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives changed. At not just here, but here and around the world. So God, I'm thinking for the best way for that to happen would be to have a star, kind of like the one over Bethlehem when Jesus was born, appear over High Point Church. Or maybe an image of Jesus show up in one of these windows over here and people would come from everywhere to see it. Now, see, I've seen that happen. When I was a little boy, it happened in Tampa and people flocked by the thousands to see and I remember standing there going, I don't see it. It's just the light hitting the glass. And yet people flocked because they wanted to see something spectacular, and too many times, we want to see the spectacular, but we want God to do it all. And while that would be really cool, it's probably not going to happen that way, at least not like that. So yes, we have to have faith. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is not optional. We must have it if we're going to be pleasing to God. But then look in the book of James, James 2, Verses 14 through 18, look what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you goes to him and says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. And then he writes, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. What James is actually saying is here is, yes, we must have faith, but there are times when we actually have to do something as well. The example James is giving is, is of us seeing a person who needs food and clothing. And we look at that person and we see the need and we understand the need, but instead of actually helping them, instead of actually doing something, we pat them on the back and say, well, good luck with that finding food and clothing.
0: I have faith that you will. I believe in you. And then we often add a phrase that while it sounds super
1: spiritual, many times it's just not true. We add,
0: I'll pray for you. And we did nothing. Faith is great. Prayer is too.
1: Both are necessary. But many times it takes action, works, or deeds to fulfill that faith. And as we will see with this paralyzed man and so many others, God often requires some effort on our part to see those prayers answered. I really believe there are some people who if they actually do pray, everybody hold on to your chair. If they actually do pray, it's primarily so they don't have to do. They might go beyond wanting. They might even believe that God is able to do it, but often the doing part just doesn't happen. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. It's kind of like putting dishes in the sink and saying, "I'm just going to let them soak," when what you really mean is, "I don't want to do the dishes right now, so I'm going to put them here and say I'm letting them soak, and then hopefully I'll do them some other time." Some people pray for the same reason—probably far too often. "I'll pray for you" is just to get away, get out of doing. It's kind of the spiritual soak cycle of doing. And I'll ask you this, where would this paralyzed man have been if his friends would have had that attitude? The very same principle applies to sharing the gospel. James was making a point that yes, faith is necessary, but he also made it clear that he would demonstrate his faith to those around him by his deeds. He would demonstrate his faith by actually doing And I believe that means, yes, we pray. Yes, we have faith that God hears and answers our prayer. But then we step out in faith. And we do what God has called us to do, and that is to share the gospel with the world around us. This paralyzed man could have said, you know, Jesus, I've done my part. I believed. I got my friends to bring me here. They tore the roof off the house. They let me down right in front of where you were standing, and now I'm here. So, hey, Jesus, um, how about let's see a little action here?
0: I'm done my part. You see, there was faith exercised up to that point, a lot of faith.
1: It took a lot of faith for him to round up his friends and to get whatever it took to carry him. Remember, they didn't have a stretcher or anything on wheels. They picked him up and carried this man to wherever it was that Jesus was. So there was faith. But there was still one more thing that had to be done, and that was obedience to Jesus' command to get up, take up your mat, Go home. If this paralyzed man had looked at Jesus and said, But look what I've already done. Isn't that enough? I feel very assured that his friends would have carried him home on the same mat
0: that they carried him there on. Still paralyzed. We can say, I come
1: to church sometimes. My neighbors see me leave the house every Sunday, and I wave to them as I drive by. I pray for them. I pray for lost souls. Isn't that enough? Well, give me a break, God. Can't you see what I'm doing? Can't you see I've done my part? Come on, God, let's see some action. I believe God is looking at that and saying, yeah, I see that. Now, I just want you to be obedient to the command I've already given you, the command to go and share the gospel and be my witnesses in the world. So now, get up, take up your mat, and go. That's what he's saying to us today. And then at that point,
0: what happens next is up to us. We've all been called will we go? And the question comes to mind, are we wanting, believing, or
1: are we doing? Am I saying that God can't do these things without us? No, I'm not saying that. God could do all of that without us. I'm saying, though, that we have a command to go out into the world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm saying that if we will do our part, God has promised and he's proven time and time again that he will do his part.
0: If we say we are willing to do whatever it takes, then be aware of what that might mean. I remember when I was... Young, there was a a song that was written called Whatever It Takes. I was a teenager. And the words were something like, Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, that's that, Lord, is what I'm willing to do. And you know, as a teenager, you sing that, you say those words.
1: You probably mean them. But at that point in your life, God probably hasn't asked you to do
0: a whole lot. You get a little bit older. And there were some words in that song that says,
1: I'll trade sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. That's what I'll be willing to do. Whatever it takes for my will to break. That's what I'll be willing to do. As an adult, I
0: find those words a little bit more difficult to say than as a teenager. There was one line in there that said, Take the dearest things to me, if that's how it must be. To draw me closer to you. Let the disappointments come,
1: lonely days without the sun. If through sorrow,
0: more like you I'll become. And see, at that point, when I was a teenager, I had never lost anyone I loved. So, saying those words. I believed it. I was saying it. But then all of a sudden, when you lose somebody you love,
1: and those words come back to your mind, and you wonder, did I really mean that? When we say, I will do whatever it takes, do we realize what we're saying? And maybe even a step
0: further, are we really willing to do whatever it takes? When we say those things, it might mean that we have to do some things that go against tradition. Maybe even
1: have to do things differently than we've done them in the past. And don't get me wrong, I'm not insinuating at all that we give up on prayer or that we give up on fasting, or that we give up on faith and believing. No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that if we want to be more effective than we are currently being, we will probably have to do more than we're currently doing. Because if we keep doing what we're currently
0: doing, what will we get? What we're currently getting. We will have to do some things in addition to fasting and
1: praying and believing. Now, someone about right now might be thinking, well, I don't agree with what you're saying. You took one passage of Scripture and twisted it to fit what you wanted to say today. Fair enough, so just hold on a minute. In Mark 3, we see a similar situation to the, the one with the paralyzed man, except this was a man who had a withered or a deformed hand. And there were the same detractors, those who came to see Jesus so they could only pick at what he said and did. But in spite of that, look what happened. Mark 3, verses 3 through 5. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. When Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good, this is talking to the Pharisees again, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Here's what he said. Stand up. And the man stood up. Stretch out your hand. And the man did. And then his hand was restored. Not before. Stand up, stretch out your hand, and then his hand was restored. In John's Gospel, in the ninth chapter, John recorded an event that's quite similar. Jesus saw a blind man. So he goes to this blind man. He spits, picks up some clay, makes, picks up some dirt and makes some clay, makes some mud, and sticks it in the guy's eyes. So here's this guy sitting there with spit
0: mud, in his eyes, and he's still blind. If that would have been us, whoa, I was okay with the spit mud,
1: but I'm still blind. But then look what Jesus told him in verse 7, John 9, 7. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word being sent. So the man went and washed And he came home seeing. When the man got home, his neighbors were amazed. Some of them even said, that's not the blind guy. The blind guy was blind. This guy can see. And the man was insistent. He said, no, look at me. I am the man. He insisted. No, I'm that guy. And they said, well, how did this happen? And here's what I want us to pay close attention to. Verse 11. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it in my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then
0: I could see. I washed and then I could see. Not before,
1: but only after he put his faith into action. He had enough faith to say, I've already gone this far. i got a bunch of spit mud in my eyes. And now he told me I have to go to the the pool of Siloam. So I'm going to get some help and I'm going to go. I'm just going to believe he knows what he's talking about. And he went and he washed and he got his sight back. Maybe you're thinking, well, how do you know that he had faith? Well, the fact that somebody had just put dirt and spit in his eyes and then told him he would be able to see if he would go wash it out Probably sounded pretty outrageous. But you know what? He wanted to see so badly that he was willing to do what Jesus told him. And he went and did it anyway. And this concept runs all through the Bible. In the Old Testament, we read that Moses was standing at the Red Sea with the people of Israel. There was an army. Pharaoh's army was chasing. They were behind him. And they wanted him dead. There was an unpassable sea in front of them, And God told Moses to stretch out the rod that was in his hand. He said, Moses, take that rod in your hand, stretch it out. And when he did, the Red Sea parted, and the people walked across on dry land. Also in the Old Testament, God told Joshua... That in order to defeat the people of Jericho, all they had to do was march silently around the walls of Jericho one time per day for six days, and then on the seventh day, march six times silently, but on the seventh time, have the priests blow their horns and all the people shout. And we go, well, that sounds perfectly understandable. Sounds like it would work, right? Probably happened a lot of times. No, actually, we don't read that it had ever happened before. We don't read that it ever happened again exactly that way. But they did what God said, and on the seventh day, on the seventh time around, the priests blew the horns, the people shouted, and the walls fell down just like God had promised. In another place in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha told a man named Naaman that if he wanted to be cured of leprosy, all he had to do was go down to this nasty river Jordan, that muddy water and dip himself seven times, and he would be healed. Once
0: again, sounds perfectly sane. Go down to the dirty Jordan River and dip seven
1: times. He did, and he was healed. Now, here's where I'm going. Had Moses said, God, that is ridiculous. Holding a staff so a sea could be parted has never been done before. Had he done that, I believe the Israelites would have been slaughtered right there on the banks of the Red Sea. But had Joshua said, look, God, I'm a military man. You can't knock down walls by walking around them and shouting. And had he followed through with that, I believe the walls of Jericho would have stood no matter what else the people did. They could have gone and bought a tank and shot it at the walls of Jericho and they would have still stayed up because it wasn't what God told them to do. Had Naaman dipped into the Jordan River five times, even six times, I believe he would have died a leper. But the one thing that each of these examples in both the Old Testament and the New Testament have in common is obedience obedience to what God commanded the people to do. And we have a commandment as well, to be witnesses, to share the gospel. This is not a suggestion. It is a commandment to every person who has been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So we say we want to see High Point Church full of people, people who are seeking something more than what they're finding out in the world, and there's a bunch of people out there looking for something. We say we want to see sinners come in and repent and give their lives to Christ and be saved. We say we want to see this place overflowing with people whose lives have been changed by Christ. We say we want to have the sick healed. If that's true, then let me ask one last time. Are we wanting? Are we believing? Or are we doing? For those who are able, it might mean being more bold with our witnessing when it comes to inviting people to High Point Church, we
0: might have to do some things we've never done before. Ruthie and I were involved in a car accident yesterday. I gave that person a High Point Church card. Didn't have anything else to do while we're waiting for the police to show up. Why not? We might have to do some things that
1: just don't really feel all that comfortable. It might mean for those who are able. Might have to reach a little deeper in their pocket to help fund some of those specific outreaches that we're trying to do. For those who are not giving at all, it might mean starting. For those who aren't physically able to go out and witness or those who just can't give any more than they currently are, it might mean more prayer time. It might mean more fasting. And that might mean getting out of our comfort zone when new people walk through the door and going and talk to them and make them feel welcome. Not stalking them, but just make them feel Welcome. It might mean that when someone comes up here to pray or to be prayed for, that we come up and and pray with them. It might mean a lot of things, and I certainly won't try to list all of them, but there are a lot of things that many of us can do to bring about what we say we want. The bottom line is this. We can all be part of sharing the gospel. And if we will go to the Lord in sincere prayer, with faith, he will tell us what it is we need to be doing. And then once we have done that, once he has spoken to us, it is then up to each of us as to whether or not we will be obedient to his call. Or whether we will just decide that We really didn't want what we said we wanted as badly as we said we wanted it. But know this the Bible has proven over and over that if we are faithful, if we are obedient, God is faithful and will reward our faith and our obedience, and we can and will see even more miraculous things happen than we are seeing or have ever seen. As it was with the paralyzed man, and as it was with so many other examples in the Bible, it took people working together in order to accomplish what they said they wanted to see happen. Time and time again, we see that it wasn't just one person who did the doing. It was a group of people. It took people working together. And it's no different for us today. Something I have realized over the past five years as pastor of High Point Church is that I can't build a church by myself. I've also realized that together, We can make an impact on our community. And as a result of that, we can make an impact on the entire world. And we have and are doing that. But we can do more. But in order for that to happen, it will take us all working together for the same cause, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations. That is the Great Commission. We as followers of Christ are called to act and share the good news of salvation throughout the world. And we might say we want to do better. We might believe that it can happen. But what are we willing to do to see it happen? So, Pastor David... What about the pictures that the people, the Amway people had on the refrigerator? Are you saying we need to put pictures of people in our refrigerator? Not at all. You see, we have an even better reminder. Every time we walk out into the world, we come in contact with people. People who have possibly never heard the gospel. They have never heard the fact that Jesus loves them. And that should serve as our daily reminder. That every time we see people out in the world, no matter what we're doing, that is our picture on the refrigerator. Because there are people there who have never heard the gospel. There are people there who have never heard that Jesus loves them. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that it's going to be easy, because it might not be. But I will assure you of this. Based on the accounts that are recorded all through the Bible, both the New Testament and the Old Testament, and based on scriptures that tell tell us that God does not change, if we will seek Him, if we have faith, If we will be obedient to his commands, no matter how difficult the task may seem, God will always be faithful, and he will always do what he says he will do. And that would lead us back to choosing between wanting, believing, or doing, or all the above. Because truly, that's what we need to do. I say this today not to condemn anyone. I say this today to challenge us all. And that includes myself. Am I doing everything I can do to see souls one? Do I want souls to be one to the kingdom of God as badly as that paralyzed man wanted to be healed? As badly as he wanted to walk. Do I want souls to be one and see lives changed as badly as that man with the withered hand wanted his hand to be right? Do I want to see people's lives changed and see them go out and then win souls? Do I want to see that as badly as that blind man wanted to see? Because all those people They did some doing. Lord, help me to go beyond just wanting. Help me to go beyond just believing. Help me to go out into the world and share the gospel. Go out into the world and make disciples. Help me to do what you've called me to do.